0: You're listening to STEM Essential, an Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council podcast. Hear from leading advocates and voices about why STEM education is crucial for our world today and tomorrow. Welcome, everybody, to Series 2 of STEM Essentials, podcasts featuring some of Iowa's and our nation's leading thinkers in STEM. This series is all about STEM jobs of the future. I'm Jeff Weld, Director of Iowa's STEM Council, an edunomic development initiative where education and economic development merge to improve lives and communities. The people we'll hear from are edunomic developers. They're commingling jobs and learning. Today, featuring Luis Moreno, a student at Drake University majoring in management, specializing in economics, and member of the Governor's STEM Advisory Council. A graduate of Lincoln High School in Des Moines where he was a member of the National Honor Society, Luis also serves on Iowa's Latino Affairs Commission and the Drake Association of Technology Advancement. Luis made history by being the first Iowan to complete a registered apprenticeship in information technology at Rouen Transportation in Des Moines. Congratulations and thank you for joining us today, Luis.
1: What a grand introduction. How do I follow that up? Thank you very much for having me on, Jeff. And also a thanks to all the people who are working in the background to make this possible.
0: You bet. Yeah, you're quite accomplished for your tender age. So we look forward to learning from you. Let's start with a question about your own personal journey that has brought you to what I consider to be a very exciting point in preparation for a career. So I want you to reflect on those significant influences, just a few, one or or a handful, that set you on this course, and it can be recent history or it could be ancient history, childhood to yesterday, wherever those significant events happened that charted your course and set you on this path, let us know a couple.
1: I'll start by talking about my favorite superhero, my father. So... A lot of people when they're asked who's your hero, they'll say Superman or Batman. But for me, it's always been my dad since he's always been the one to put our family force and being immigrants to this great nation, we were able to really find a good opportunity. And my parents sacrificed a lot from their home country to give me an opportunity here. And I'm gonna make sure that every sacrifice that they gave to allow me to have opportunities in the United States, I'm gonna make sure that I repay them in full. So I'll start when I was in around high, in the high school age, around like freshman year, sophomore year. My dad used to work as a line cook for about 10 to 15 or so years. And he decided that being in the, in the kitchen, he's only making 15 on the hour. And it's not a job he likes. It's also not something that he wants to keep on doing. It's not sustainable. He comes to work with his, uh, his, the soles of his feet are burnt out. He barely has time to go to the parks because he just has to sleep because he's worn out, exhausted. So he ended up going to DMAC to study HVAC. So that pivotal moment for him to decide that I'm going to not work for eight months to go to trade school so I can change my career path and give my kids better opportunities, that really spoke volumes to me because I would have I expected my dad to have started working in the kitchen and died working in the kitchen. But he decided to take some initiative and do something different, do something better. Through six, through eight or so months of um, DMAC and going through the vocational school, he was able to take a grant from local government and get pretty much that, get that school paid for. And all he had to do was just show up and get good grades and get his certificates and get his titles. After eight quick months, I was still in high school at the time. And I could see that my dad, he had uh, gotten his his um certificate. Once he became licensed, then he started looking for jobs in HVAC that immediately started paying way better off the gate. And as their two years of working in working as a maintenance technician, he's now the maintenance supervisor at American Campus for Drake West Village. So in two short in eight short months, he was able to change his career and earn more money on the dollar just be, just by getting a little bit of education. And then with two years of experience, he was able to move from a technician to a manage to a supervisor role. And I was just in shock. I was like, "Dad, you're an old man. I had no idea you had it in you." First off, when I had it, when I was struggling in algebra, I asked you for help, and you had to relearn how to how to do algebra in order to help me. So I would that was really one of the biggest inspirations that I had. That education is the key driving factor to success, and you can't you can't move you can move a mountain with education. It's incredible what you can do with just with the knowledge that you can learn. So that's what set me to. Want to do something vocational or something trade ish or something inside some education in high school beyond just the high school diploma. I wanted to go further. I wanted to match my dad, since that's always sort of been my that's been my role model and that's always sort of been what I strive to be, to do and what I strive to accomplish and what I strive to meet. So through central through high school, we have something called Central Campus in Des Moines, and they're like our tech or vocational high school, and they offer really like world class college classes to high school kids. It's absolutely free of charge. And the only thing that you need to do to get in is just send an application. And I was in shock when I learned that there was a information technology and network association um, class today, it's been rebranded as cybersecurity. So it's more relevant to what we're learning and what we'd see for future STEM jobs. But once I saw that, I've spent my whole life born on the computer. And as I've heard a speaker say before, kids learn how to swipe before they learn how to wipe. So (laughs) my generation is the one that has really been born with technology. We're the ones that are used to it. We're the experts, we're the masters. And I decided, well, why don't I take it a step further and actually learn what goes on behind that computer screen? And that's where I signed up for cybersecurity one with Mr. Samuel Opel. And I really owe a lot of my success to that man because if it weren't for the program that he holds, and for the, his passion for his students at Central Campus, I wouldn't be here today. He really got he really sparked my interest into STEM and set the direction for where I am today and the internship that I was able to achieve.
0: Ah oh, those are biggies. Uh, your dad, your teacher, the influences they've obviously had on your life. but you personally, I guess this is a question of nature versus nurture. You also, Sees those opportunities many don't you know you're fearless in that way or you're a willing risk taker in a positive way that um an, an internship shows up or a course or a plan of study and and the the services that i mentioned in your introduction that you have stepped into um, there appears to be a certain brave heart in you as well that takes chances
1: a lot of my success boils down to the personality that i have and that's sort of the nature versus nurture that you're speaking where my, if I took the Enneagram personality exam and I came out to be a 98% match for the personality type number eight, which is the challenger. These are the people that are direct. They go out there, they aren't afraid to get out of the comfort zone. And there couldn't be a better way to de- to describe who I am as a person. And that's where I really just, and also by seeing what my dad has done, I was able to see that the opportunities are out there they're vast. They're, they're sometimes hidden and they're sometimes sitting behind the door that you just don't know where to knock but that's why you can also that's why it's good to network it's good to get to know people if i hadn't learned about my dad going to vocational school at DMAC, i wouldn't have learned about central campus doing the same thing for high school kids it's, it comes down to a lot of you kind of get out of it what you put into it so no matter everyone has google no one's an no one is the field expert at everything Google's there, you can just search for opportunities. You can search for different school pro, um, class programs, programs to study, different jobs, different internships, et cetera. The resources are there, but it takes a special someone to motivate you to go look for those resources.
0: Yeah, there's motivation and that's a critical role for parents and teacher. And then uh, again, back to you as the individual and, and thinking of all the listeners, um, some of whom will be students. There's likely to be A fear of risk, a fear fear of failure that holds people back from doing some of these things, from taking some of these chances. You, in these ways, you've overcome a fear of failure. Do you fear failure? And if so, how do you overcome it?
1: I don't fear failure because failure is an opportunity. If you, I have a six-year-old nephew and I like to talk in metaphors because I feel like metaphors really help convey the point across. When my nephew was two years old, that boy was standing, but he just stood and he just stood still, and he would always be holding on to his uh, crib and walking around, just oh so slowly wobbling. Later on, he learned how to start crawling when he was around uh, two, and then a few months later, and by the time that he's three, this boy's running and he's crashing into me, and he's toppling me over. He's he's steamrolling me. So just like a just similar to how a young child has to learn how to crawl before it can walk. And how to walk before it can run. It's it's a similar path of progression where you need to start with small opportunities. Like you're you're going to be exposed to failure, but you don't have to let it dominate you. You have to take it as a reflection to figure out what were the facts, what have you done, what could have gone differently, what was your desired outcome, and what could possi- what could you possibly do for next time, or if it's possible, how can you go back to that same opportunity and see if you can get a second chance. I'm like I'm a person who likes to believe in second chances, and I'm also a person who likes to believe that there is no failure, but there's only learning opportunities. There is no failure, but there's only opportunities.
0: Yeah, well said. Were you going to continue on that note?
1: Yes. When I started at when I started at Central Campus, these are college level classes, so understandably, it's not what I'm used to. It's a little tougher than usual. I remember my first semester. I ended up getting all. I ended up acing that first semester because. Um, The professor pretty much grabbed our hand and walked us through it. But then that second semester, it was one hell of a challenge because that's where we started taking actual um, certification exams. And I wasn't used to the studying and I wasn't used to getting I didn't have those habits built up because, again, you have to start from somewhere. And if you're going into something blind, it's going to be your first time experiencing something. And don't use it as don't take um, failure as discouragement, but take it as an opportunity my first certification exam, I very, very narrowly ended up getting my certificate. But that didn't that didn't discourage me, but that just told me that these are some flags and these are some things I need to pay attention to. Because by the time the next exam comes, I don't want to leave that exam with a single question or a doubt. I want to leave that exam knowing that I'm getting the certificate mailed to me in three to five days.
0: You're a 20-something young man, but you've got an old soul, wise beyond your years. I think about that that first educational experience where you talked about acing the courses and you said something about the teacher's hand-holding. And I think having dwelled in the teaching world for 40 years, we we can be guilty of too much hand-holding and protecting with hearts in the right place, protecting our students from failure, but sometimes maybe too much when they need to trip and fall as they tr- learn to run. For now, I'm going to transition to... Uh, Uh, The question that brings us to the podcast, the podcast series, of course, is STEM jobs of the future. And for you in particular, Luis, we want to explore how one goes about preparing for a future in STEM-related careers. And consider that our listeners range from parents, of course, to teachers, business professionals, nonprofit heads policymakers and probably some students what what would you tell them about why a topic like this preparing for stem jobs of the future it should be must listen to podcast why should they care why should they dial in why would this affect people that this topic of the lessons you have to impart on the importance of preparation for high demand careers that wait
1: i'm glad you asked because STEM is everywhere and STEM is everything just about and in the internship where I work today there's people in our hardware department who came with sociology backgrounds just like my professor for the information technology classes in high school Samuel Apple he was a music he was a music major and he taught theater before he started teaching information technology I'll share a, te- I'll share a story about my teacher He's, he told when we began telling our when we began class he started by telling us what drove him into it and he told us his inspiration for it so he started off by sharing that he used to teach a band and used to be a theater teacher and he loved his job he loved teaching children music he loved teaching and one year the district that he worked for just didn't have the budget and he turned out to be a budget cut so he ended up being unemployed but he was wise and with his time he decided to go and uh, learn a little more about information technology and learn a more little more about what opportunities there are. And he came back stronger than ever as a teacher at Central Campus to host Central Campus's pretty much premier cybersecurity program. And with that passion, he ended up teaching us that you, even though that even though you have a certain background, and there's stereotypes, there's first impressions, and there's preconceptions that if you have a certain background, you're bound to take a certain path. He told us that you can break those stereotypes, you can break those preconceptions, you can break those first impressions because even he, he showed us like leading by example, even though he's a theater major, here he is in front of us today teaching us information technology and he's killing it. He's doing a great job. He's, he's teaching lots of brilliant young students who, can, who are going to end up following the STEM pipeline to supply the jobs for tomorrow.
0: I had some powerful role models over your years, but you've also been smart enough to notice them. I think there's a lot of wonderful role models out there, but uh, the observer in us isn't always queued up to observe them and to learn from them. And so credit to you for noticing and studying them and learning from them, rather than taking them for granted and passing them by. So as you prepare for graduation, I know it may still be a year or two off, but let's talk about preparing for graduation. And you know, and I know how critical it is that you get a strong foundation so that you can hit the ground running. It also needs to be an education that equips you for a lot of unknowns, an uncharted future. So I want to talk to you about both the present in terms of the education that you're getting, and, and you are, are speaking for all young Iowans when we talk about uh, education quality and Setting you on a good course, and then I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, the future of education, where it may need to go, based on your own personal vision for the future. So, let's start first with how would you characterize?
1: Hey Jeff, let me pause you for a moment.
0: Oh, I sure. I want to hear
1: a topic from the um, from the discussion before. Um, I'm currently in the Drake in the Drakes Donald B. Adams Leadership Institute, and one one of the things that are uh, facilitator Kristen Economos says is that everyone's an expert at something, and once you can establish a good environment where people can be vulnerable and they're open to share, you'll find out that people that you'll find out what their expertise is in, and you'll end up gaining lots of valuable insight as to who this person is, what they're about, and that network connection. Even though it might be a weak link at first, you'll you'll be able to grow it into something sustainable down the line.
0: Fabulous. Fabulous organization to be a part of. Glad you dropped that in as you recalled it. To me, it's about curiosity. And as long as you remain curious about role models, about the others with whom you work, you grow so much more. Um, what's that old maxim about, uh, the creator gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> well, speaking of, I wanna do less talking and more listening to you. So I want you to talk about um, this present moment. Here we are in 2020. Uh, strange year that it is, of course, and we don't necessarily have to focus on a pandemic year, but it doesn't hurt to touch on a pandemic year. As you look back on uh, all our high schools, and your college experience, working with an employer as you have, uh, parents and their guidance, our STEM council, all the players at work in educating our future uh, careerists and citizens um, how are we doing? How would you characterize the job all these stakeholders are doing at preparing uh, our future, the, the kids like you for uh, Iowa's future?
1: I don't have the exact macro trends, but when Governor Reynolds was giving her state of the, the state of the Un- or state of the union or a speech among those lines, she shared that we're going to need a lot more STEM jobs, and that that starts today we need to start developing that pipeline today we need to build a foundation for that today so that we can cultivate that tomorrow i'd say that we're doing a we're doing a good job we're getting we're getting we're getting our feet wet and we're um we're setting the a good foundation because we don't exact, there's a lot of uncertainty especially with this year by setting a good foundation and and emphasizing that there is importance in this there's value in our future there's value in the children there's value in their educations we can start to uh, we can start to put emphasis on that. So when we have uncertainties such as this year, such as uncertainties as to what kinds of jobs are going to exist in the future, I think I heard, saw a stat somewhere where around 30% of the STEM jobs in the future don't even have titles today. Don't, they don't even exist today, and we can barely imagine what they would be. Um, some examples that we're seeing today is at my company, we're hiring um, robotic process analyst experts. And that's a job that two years ago, when I first started, we wouldn't even we wouldn't have even imagined that we would be hiring people who can program robots to do white collar work. So by putting an emphasis on that this is something that our state cares about, this is something that our stakeholders are willing to put money and invest in. They're really investing in Iowa's future, and they're really setting the stage and setting that setting a role model for other states to also follow.
0: Yeah, I don't know that that's even a major at any university I'm aware of. <laughs> Robotics process analyst?
1: Robotic process. We call them RPA, so like robotic process automation. And that's through a company called UiPath and they are our vendor.
0: All right, very and interesting. And it's
1: really cool things. So the best way that I can characterize that is, it's not robots stealing your jobs, trust me. There needs to be people to manage those robots and make them and make sure that they don't break down every few every few uh, runs. What they do is it takes the robot part out of a human job. So we've all been in we've all been in that spot where we're crunching a, a worksheet or we're crunching a or we're doing something monotonous and there's a lot better things that you'd rather be doing. This is where we my company Ruan, we use the RPA bots to go in there and pull the reports we need, work the numbers we need so that humans can spend more time doing valuable human things such as analysis decision making etc and so on and so forth and ruan and transportation isn't the only um, industry that's doing this it's surprising that this is where i found out about it in transportation of all places who do, who would have thought that a company who just drives trucks all, or, all around the state all around the um, 50 states decides to use robots to make the do the heavy lifting in the background and just like that we can see that technology pretty much permeates into every single aspect and every single job that was going to exist in the next 20 some years um even line workers are going to start are we're starting to see like if you go to a mcdonald's they have a electronic um ordering machine in the front and the workers they start getting the orders from them from the teleprompter and they end up um following orders based off of the demand that they, or the orders that they receive, especially with the COVID era. We're starting to see technology take an extreme boom right now. Takeout is incredible. And all those takeouts are run by applications from the convenience of your smartphone. You can order food to your front door. That's incredible to think about two years ago. I would have never thought of something that way.
0: Yeah. Well, not all that long ago, I could not imagine, uh, Conversing with you over the internet and uh, producing a podcast without sitting in a room together.
1: You know, Jeff. One thing I'll tell you is that I, I like to I like to set goals for myself. I like to set really ambitious goals for myself. So when since my company has apprentices who are still in high school, my boss has asked me to sort of like be a, be a bit of a life coach and share some insights with them. And one one thing I shared with our in our interns, our high school age interns, is if you look at what you've accomplished today and you look at and if you were to tell yourself everything that you would accomplish today one year time ago you would probably be in awe and you'd probably say there's no way that's going to happen you are you are telling me sweet lies to my ears and i feel the exact same way a year ago i would have never thought that i'd be in such a position to have the honor of serving on the latino affairs commission have the honor of serving on the iowa stem council or to be able to share my insights with our wonderful listeners yeah but here i am today
0: we're all finding you. We have our way of finding talent. So let me ask you more about this um, this idea of the challenge that uh, people would scoff at learning where they would be a year from now because of self-belief or uh, uh, maybe sometimes a lack of belief in people's own abilities. But as you talk about these jobs of the future, automation will take care of the monotonous aspect of the things that we currently do. And and that may someday mean the drivers of ruon trucks also are computers and robots. And so talk to us about the challenges that you think are out there right now between, here we are in October, 2020, these jobs are going to get more uh, technical and uh, and call on more creativity and collaborative skills and so on of, of the human beings as the machines do the monotonous stuff. What are the challenges in education systems, for example, between here and realizing that pretty interesting future in 2030, 2040, what are the challenges?
1: So I'll open this up by say, by sharing a comment that I heard from one of my friends at Drake. They, they told me that a college diploma is starting to become a lot more like a high school diploma because of increased access. And also the skill sets are becoming more and more or less and less optional and desirable and more and more required and necessary. So there's there's some there's definitely a lot of work to be done so as we end up evolving and getting more into that realm of the unknown with what it jobs would look like in the future and what we've seen with technology advancements today we have to really focus a lot more on getting people from point a to point b getting people the skills that they need to succeed once we reach that point um we can from our STEM Council, we can see that there's been a lot of work done in this field. The students at, I believe it was Kinsley Elementary, these are first, second and third graders who are loving programming. They use something called BeeBot to move a bot, to use cards to program a, a, a busy bee to go from one end of a maze to another end of the maze and skipping logs and other obstacles. So when I think about it, the generation before me, when I asked them, when did you start learning how to program, they tell me that that's stuff that you learned in college. When I look at myself and my generation, we start learning how to program when just out of out of hobby in middle school or out of class, out of like classes and uh, after school programs in in high school. That's where I learned how to code. Then we can see that children that are my nephew's age, my nephew's generation, they're starting to learn how to code when they're in elementary school. So, because they get such a good head start and such a great, like such a quick introduction into what is technology, I like to say that my generation was born with technology. But my nephew's generation are the ones that are truly the technology masters. Uh, my nephew knows how to run the iPad better than my grand, than his grandma, than my mother. So, it's incredible to see that since they get that head start with technology, what w- the realm of opportunities and. Those things that were previously unattainable become very attainable, and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how education sort of tries to catch tries to play catch up, because just like I my just like my boss didn't learn how to code until college, I didn't learn how to code until high school, and my nephew didn't learn how to code till he's probably somewhere in middle school or somewhere in elementary school. What's the next generation going to do? Are they just going to be born knowing what computers are and how to code? Is this just something that's going to become common knowledge? And when everyone knows a skill, how is it going to be evolved how is it going to be differentiated so that there's still a job for it? Starting them earlier and earlier, I think, is a common rallying
0: cry. Certainly it uh, resonates throughout our STEM council that uh, coding at the elementary grades, connecting kids to the world of work earlier and earlier are only good things so they are more prepared. As you mentioned, you uh, learned programming in middle school and high school and Today, kids are learning it in elementary school with B-bots and, and what have you. And so that's an example of a K-12 experience that you could say got you got started late, although everybody was late back then. Uh, everybody was really late back in my day. I think in college, we started learning to code. But as you look back on your K-12 experience overall, is there any other aspect of it that you wish you could do differently, you wish you could go back and and re-experience, or maybe something that was a a gap in your K-12 experience that you wish you would have had?
1: I'd say that there's a lot of parallels between, I'd like to say the example of coding, because that's something that people generally know what it is, and people generally are able to wrap their minds around it. But there's a lot of other skills besides technical skills like coding that you need to learn, that you need to learn. And the sooner you get started on them, the longer you can start reinforcing them, building them really cultivating them and learning what they are in practice, how to use them and how to differentiate yourself, how to say that I, as Luis, I can tell you I'm a great communicator. Everyone can. All the other applicants are saying the same thing, but here's what makes me special. So um, currently I'm in the Donald V. Adams Leadership Academy, and I really wish that there was a program like this that I could have taken way before I got into college because this program is, we're using the Gallup's five um, strengths Finder, and our, we're using our top five strengths to really guide discussion and guide tasks and to figure out what are our strengths, how do we use our strengths, what are our default behaviors, and how can we use this to become better global-minded citizens. So this was an experience that I hadn't gotten until I was at the college level, and this is something that if I'm thinking back two years ago, this would have been priceless to me. This would have been a skill that, well, I would learn how to communicate. I would learn how to be mindful of the space I'm taking up in a conversation, be mindful of the backgrounds of others, be and be a lot more sensitive to how to have a good conversation. One of my biggest takeaways from that Leadership Academy is you've got to set a good environment with your friends and with the people who you work around with, with your teammates, classmates, professors, because once you set a good environment, you can really skip the formalities and you can get straight into the work. And you're going to and not only are you going to get into work faster, you're going to get into work with a smile. You're, you're going to get you're probably not going to treat that project that you're doing at 1 a.m. as a all nighter. But it'll probably end up just being a, a group, pro, um, a fun group project where you guys get smoothies and talk about it over lunch.
0: I love it. Sounds like a great organization. And I have to mention being a Drake student. I I believe there is an analog to that leadership academy at the K-12 at the elementary level called Leader in Me that operates out of the uh, Robert Ray Center there on the Drake University campus. Sounds pretty close, same vision, same mission, same goals, younger kids. Well, let me ask you one last question, Luis, and that is your sources of hope and inspiration now as you are um, progressing through your own career preparation uh, rapidly moving toward graduation and occupation, hopefully here in Iowa. What is a source of hope or inspiration that you tap now? Um, that maybe it's a person, maybe it's a course, maybe it's a leadership academy, maybe it's a belief, maybe it's a book you read, something that gives you hope.
1: What a wonderful question, Jeff, I'll, I'll wrap back to the how I introduced myself. So. My parents sacrificed a lot. to My dad gave up his job. My mother gave up her job. They came to a strange country with the promise and they really put themselves out there. They took a huge risk just so that I could have some chance at being someone who they would want to see grow up in life. And there's no other way that I can repay them than by achieving those goals that I have set for myself. And at the end of the day, I just want to make my parents proud. So that's one of the biggest drivers that I have. Another thing was that I found was, um, I'll just give you a little background as to what I do and what my schedule looks like. My calendar is blank because it's too, It's too, you can see my calendar in the background in the video. It's blank because there's just too much stuff going on, so I just keep, keep track of it online. Um, I started working at Rewon when I was 17. I carried something like a full schedule and then 20 hours or 22 hours of work throughout high school. Once I started at Drake, I've been consistently in 15 to 18 credit hours a semester maintaining that job. And still on top of all of that work, I still find time to be a kid. At the end of the day, I'm 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I have to find time to still enjoy life because I'm really young and I can't get burnt out by what I'm doing. There has to be something at the end of the day that makes me smile, regardless of how stressful school exams are, how stressful midterms, which were last Wednesday, by the way, no matter how stressful it is, um, the pressures at work with COVID and having to support being understaffed, having to, whatever the conflict you might find, there's always has to be something that makes you smile. So what I would say to our viewers is, find a hobby that you really enjoy, find a group that like your niche that really connects that you can really connect to. Uh, get in contact with those weak links, those old friends that you haven't talked to since COVID started and ask them out to coffee, ask them to have a FaceTime with you, ask them for a video call and get to get to connect with people and get to network. Because at the end of the day, we're you're not you're not the only person in quarantine. You're not the only person who's got a really full schedule. You're not the only person who's staying up late working on papers. It's a it's a whole group thing. We're all all sort of in the same shoes in a sense, even though we all come from very vastly different walks of life. And we all need to stand together.
0: Yeah, I have every confidence that listeners to this podcast will smile upon hearing from you. I've really enjoyed hearing from you today, Louise. having you as a guest on the podcast. I'm excited for our listeners. They're very much going to enjoy learning from you. This is Luis Moreno, Drake University student and STEM Council member, and so much more. Thank you for sharing your compelling vision for STEM jobs of the future with Iowans and with our partners across the country, Luis.
1: Absolutely. I just hope that I can motivate some people to either follow in my footsteps or surpass me entirely.
0: (laughs) I love that. Set the bar. You'll be a wonderful role model yourself. This has been episode three of our second series for STEM Essential, podcasts featuring the voices of edunomic innovation, brought to you by the Iowa Governor's STEM Advisory Council. Thank you for listening, and please join me next week to hear from David Zeroslick, president at Stellar Industries in Garner, who will share his manufacturer's perspective on recruiting and retaining STEM talent. Today's and all STEM Essential podcasts are available at iowastem.gov forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to STEM Essential. This podcast is generously co sponsored by Collins Aerospace and Mid American Energy, proud partners of Iowa STEM Council. To learn more and find resources, please visit
1: iowastem.gov.